0: Hey, my name is Philip Craig. I'm the pastor here at Aria Church. Thanks so much for joining us. I hope this podcast empowers you, hope it fuels your faith, and hope it impacts your life. Enjoy the message. We're planting. Things begin to grow. you will start to see your weeds starting to grow too. Um, but now is a good time to plant. And so as a church... I was kind of praying. I didn't actually know this, but I was praying. I really sense as a church, it's our t- time right this moment to start to kick off sowing seeds, sharing, planting, because we want to see a harvest, we've got to plant first. Is anyone with me? Right, I've got three people with me. I'm going to aim for six by the end of the service, and, and we're going to make some impact this year in 2021. Um, You know, a few weeks back, I was just praying about where we were as a church and preparing uh, to come back to in person gatherings and trying to figure all that out. I was just praying. I really sensed God. Um, I just really, something, as I was praying, I really wanted to encourage some of our teams. And so I was with the worship team um, and we were just trying to figure some, prepare well. We're trying to figure some stuff out. And I just really wanted to to refresh some of the guys. I, I had it in me that. We were down one Wednesday night. I just wanted to encourage some of them. But to be quite honest, I'd maybe felt that for maybe a month or two. It had been on my heart, but it, there just was no opportunity to do it. There was no right time. And it didn't. the right time didn't seem to come until I created it, and, until I actually made a scenario where I would spend time with the worship team, and then we would also spend time in prayer. We started with prayer. Everyone had individual prayer, and I asked God, "Give me something to encourage some of the guys, because I really want to." But, but honestly, the, the honest feelings that I had was, "Oh, what if I'm wrong? <laughs> what if God gives me something to encourage them with, but it doesn't match, or it's not—it's just me." Have you ever ever been there? You're like, maybe I should invite them, but what if they don't come? Or what if they bite my head off? Or what if they—it uh, gets awkward between us? But, and that was the kind of feelings I was getting when I was. Thinking about encouraging them, and I felt like God had given me something as I I pursued it, and I had to come to this crossroads of saying, right, I'm just going to do it. I might get it wrong, and that's okay. I'm going to give myself the license to get it wrong, and so I proceeded to pray and, and I wrote down a few little things that I got for each person and shared. And funny enough, after I got a few texts from some of the guys, that was one. That was a, a fantastic night, and I took that as. That was encouraging. I feel refreshed. Can can you agree that some of you, at least some of you, I got some of it right. And I really felt, and it was, listen, one thing I realized, it was nothing to do with me. I wasn't, some of the things that I felt God put in my heart to tell some of these guys, I didn't understand myself. Some people might call that a prophetic word, but the prophetic word doesn't help people to pursue the will of man, my will, it's the will of God, and I don't really know all that stuff, and I don't know what's going on in other people's lives. So anyhow, what I learned from that, whereas I'd seen God move before in my life in that way, I'd seen God move through other people's lives to me in that way, but I kind of lost the rhythm. I'd lost, I got into this comfortable place, and I didn't really want to get out of it in some ways. Why? Because I was afraid of getting it wrong. I, was, I just felt lethargic, I didn't. I wasn't. Ex- I was stuck. But when when I pursued it and when I actually went ahead and went through that transaction of fear, overcoming the fear, releasing the pressure of getting everything perfectly right, and just handed it over, then then it seemed that it landed. The plane landed on a few spots. It actually worked. There was a few seeds that germinated, and and, and people came away refreshed. And I just wonder as a church, if I'm like that, maybe you are too. If I experience those kind of symptoms of fear and I get stuck in these positions, maybe we all experience that. And maybe some of us, or maybe all of us are in a place where we don't really share that much, or we, we don't really maybe think we can, we maybe feel inadequate. I had those feelings a little bit too, maybe if I'm not, what if I'm not worthy enough? I'm not perfect. I've got still things I'm working on. I, I sin, still. I still have issues with, with pride. Is anyone with me? So, so why would I be qualified to to share with somebody? And, and before you know it, you've convinced yourself to never really do much. And I believe the church and us as individuals were probably, if we're honest. I know for me. When I think of the the amount of opportunities I miss, I'm probably operating on a very low percent, maybe one or two percent. And I just wonder if we as a church began to shift that, even from one to two, that's double. If we went from one percent effectiveness to two, that's double. And then three percent is triple. And honestly, I don't think there's any other way of doing it, God's way, unless we first pray. And then we obey. It's, it's, it's not really too complex. There's not, not any deep theology for that. It's very simple. The Bible actually says, it's funny, I was hearing about my niece. She was being taught about the Bible and Jesus and, uh, in her school. And she was coming off and she was crying, Mom, Mom, did you know? Jesus went to the cross. He died and He rose again for my sins. Oh, my word. I don't remember the last time I taught that in, in such a simple fashion. That's it, done, dusted, full stop. I'm forgiven. That's amazing, Mom. It's, it's, sometimes I think the gospel is more simple than we, we make it. And really, if, I, I, if, I, if I'm honest, sometimes I complicate it to make up for my inadequacies. I complicate it to give me an excuse to not do anything. I'm not good enough today. I don't feel right. don't sense the Holy Spirit's moving even though I haven't prayed, (laughs) didn't read my Bible. Maybe some of you haven't been in church for ages or haven't been around Christian community, even that's the way God grows His church and grows you as a person. I'm feeling discouraged, but, you know, don't think, don't don't feel like church is the right place. People, there's there's mean people in church. Can I put that to bed? You're right, there is. I might be one of them at times. The person sitting beside you might be that person, and listen, that's just life. Sometimes the person, you, you know, your family can sometimes hurt you the most because you have the biggest expectation on them, and they can, if your expectation's up here, and they, and they go to here, then there's a massive amount of, of failure. The problem is if someone on the street offends you, your expectation, you didn't expect them to like you that much anyhow, and so there's a less, less of an offense. Does that make sense? And so, actually, sometimes forgiving people, the hardest people to forgive are the people that you love. Can I get an amen? amen. Oh, flip, there's a heavy amen there. <laughs> Woohoo! So, today's message is called, The Secret You Didn't See. The Secret You Didn't See. Let's pray. God, I thank you for the secrets of the kingdom of God. I pray and thank you that you came to make them available and ready for us so that we can apply them and succeed and I pray that you help me to bring your word to your people to help us to see your kingdom come. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. amen. So this series is called Prepare for Impact, and the secret you didn't see is the, is the message today. One thing I've heard time and time again is God will not do for you what you can do for yourself. Some of us in here, we're waiting to be a fitter version of ourself, and you're praying, you're, you might even pray, God, give me the will to go to the gym. But actually, God will not do for you what you will not do for yourself. Some of you are waiting for forgiveness to come into your heart and for just to magically happen. But God will not do for you what you will not do for yourself. And the reason you still have bitterness is because you're still holding on to unforgiveness. It's your choice. You can break free. The Bible says God has given us the antidote, God has given us the way of breaking free. It's to not repay evil for evil, but to repay it with good. How do you understand that? You understand that through the cross. Jesus forgives you, and He forgave me, not because we deserved it. He didn't repay evil for evil, He repaid evil with good. So we have now got grace to then give. And so God, you will not receive or experience forgiveness in your heart until you apply it. Until you just say, I'm not going to wait on a feeling, I've forgiven you. I'm going to do it time, and I'll keep forgiving you in my heart, in my head, until my feelings catch up. But it's black and white. You just decide to forgive. Your feelings follow. It takes time. It doesn't just magically... The feelings of, of resentment don't just disappear. It's a process. It's by repetition. It's by continually taking control of your mind, taking control of your soul, and telling it that you're the boss... And this is what I'm doing. Can I get an amen? amen. And what will happen, and what I've experienced, is what will happen. The earlier you catch it, the easier it becomes. Meaning, the more you believe the word and just what it says, literally black and white, then you stop dabbling in all these feelings. You stop worshiping your worry, You stop worshiping your offense, and, and then the offense doesn't grow like a plant. And it's, it's what, what happens with the plant. If you don't forgive quick, if you if you nip the weed in the bud early, what happens? It comes out easy. But if you leave it and you dwell on it, I can't believe they've done that, and I can't believe this happened, da-da-da, then it grows, and you you might need some help to get it out. You might need to go to counseling to to get the shovel in, to dig deep, to get to the depths of the roots, to rip it out. But God will not do for you. Some of you are looking in relationship. You're going to meet someone but there's maybe some things, maybe you need to, sh, sh, some things that you need to do, some basic things, sh, sh, brush your teeth, take a shower. So, see, see, this is what happens in the church, we're praying for miracles, it's because it's easy, but God will not do for you what you can do for yourself. you're repelling everyone. If you've got relationship repellent on, don't expect people to want to be be near you. God will not do for you what you will not do for yourself. See, what if the the solution is right in front of you but you can't see it? You see, this is what I believe. Jesus came and He spoke in all these parables. Why? Because people didn't see it. The secret we didn't see. What is a parable? A parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Why did Jesus bring it, Bring, bring us to these simple, nearly elementary, primary school level stories? Because he was telling people something they understood to lead them to a place, to something they didn't understand because they were blind. They, they were focusing, they were looking, they were, their attention was being given to things that weren't going to bring on success. It was destructive. And so he broke it down in simple form called parables. See, I just love that Jesus came and he brought the keys to what we call is the kingdom. Peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. The work, his works come into light when we start to see the kingdom. When I was with the worship team, in natural form we were just doing work We were just working on outward form. We were just working on, you know, order and voices and and timing and different things like that, But, but deeper than that, something that we didn't see was the Spirit, and the Spirit is primarily activated when we pray, when we seek God not from what we see, but from who He is, and when we do that, we start to tap into secrets that can't be seen through the natural eye. Through the natural realm, God can do things that you never thought were possible. But He won't do it the way you thought that He should. It goes on to say here in Matthew 13 is the parable of the sower. It says, listen to what the this is Jesus talking here, listen to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does does not understand it, so I'm blinded. I don't get it. What are you trying to do here? The evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. So they receive it initially. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When the troubles or persecution comes because of because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but then worries, the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of the wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. And finally, but the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop, yielding a hundred, what's this, yielding one hundred, say one hundred, say sixty or 30 times what was sown. So I need a few volunteers with masks on. Naomi, a wee second here. Who else we got there? <laughs> Stick one on there? So come on, come on up here, Naomi. Peter, can you get ready there and come on up? Is that Rachel? Come on head up. One more. Simon, Simon. Simon let's go. <laughs> come on, put our hands together for our wonderful <laughs> volunteers. So what do you want me? just spread yourself out at the back there. Nice and socially distanced. Right, yeah, you come here. Right, so you just have picked your order, and I, I'm just going to go with the story here. So we're going to just picture these, pi- these people as the seeds that were sown. And as exa- example of the four different categories that Jesus has spoke about, and he's literally he's trying to. I feel like he's nearly trying to encourage farmers. This is don't don't make sure your expectation is clear, because if your expectation is clear, you may give up, you may may get discouraged. And so he says the first seed that is sown by the farmer is one that is on a path. This is our seed which was on a path, and what happens with the seed on the path is it's cast. The farmer's just probably he's, he's probably trying. To cast the seed on, onto soil, but some get onto the path. And it's snatched up probably by birds or, or something else that wants to eat it. And it represents the person who maybe isolates themselves. They maybe were coming to church, they were in community, they had Christian friends, but then something happened and they get isolated and, and they no longer have connection. They no longer have the ingredients to germinate and to grow. And so they end up being snatched away. There's no fruit of their life there's maybe people watching online and you need to get back into church back into some form of community or maybe in in this room you need to 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 connect with other believers and you need to stay the course you need to stay in the soil until things begin to germinate and 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 seeds germinate at different times at different speeds depending on the plant uh, depending on weather depending on the amount of water Uh, and the timing is really up to god and then we have the second seed, which represents on rocky soil. And this is somebody who gets excited initially. They come to church, woo, I want to be involved in everything, I want to be in every team, woo, 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 woo. And they go on like the hammers. But then what happens is, because of expectation, they maybe had the idea that, that the Christian life was just easy. And, and everyone that goes to church Everyone in church had no problems. As soon as people go through the doors of church, there's just angels and all their problems just disappear. And and as soon as they find out that's not the case, they're like, oh my word, these people are a bunch of hypocrites. Because I thought they were perfect. And they get so deep and then the joy leaves them because the joy was maybe rooted on the wrong belief and the wrong thing. And they don't make it and they don't actually take root and they don't actually produce anything of their life because maybe their trust was in the wrong place. And then we have the third seed, which represents the thorns. And this is somebody who hears the word and they get worried. They start to worship worry over worshiping Jesus. They start to fix their eyes on what is going on around them instead of what is going on in heaven above them. And what happens is, it halts their growth. They become discouraged. They become saturated with worry, which then it causes a blockage in the function of the seed, and the seed can no longer expand and fulfill purpose and be exactly what it was supposed to be. And then we have the last seed. You got lucky, or you have favor, sorry, I should say. Favor of the Lord. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word, understands it, understands that their faith is not in people. Their faith is in Jesus. Their faith, they're not following perfect people in a community. They're, they're in a church with sinners, full of sinners, broken people just like them, but, but they're, they're rooted in Christ. And as they get deep and as they go through trials, it actually, in, when, when there's resistance, actually, you know, the gardeners told me, they said, Phil, if you want... The, the, the plants that you're planting here to get rooted, you snip them. Because that will tell the plant to start getting deep, to start developing the roots. So, so if you start to take away from the plant, it starts to grow deeper. And so this person understands that, hey, I'm not putting my trust in, in all of the relationships that I have and all the people. Some people might disappear because I put Jesus first. Some people may no longer be there. I might even get offended a few times because I made the decision. But that's only going to cause me to dig deeper in prayer, dig deeper into who I've put first over my life, and I'm going to prepare myself for victory, prepare myself for success, and to yield fruit. Can you get an amen? Put our hands together for our volunteers. <laughs> See, as I look to this example, and I think about what was Jesus trying to tell with this, this story? We've got to be careful that we don't, that we understand the story correctly. Because some of you might say, well, was Jesus talking about, you know, these people? Is He talking about heaven and hell? Is He talking, what's He talking about in this scenario? He's talking about seeds. He's talking about seeds that actually produce fruit that reach their potential. And He's talking about seeds that, that reach hardened ground. And I, know, I don't know about you, but if you read the Scripture and you look at Peter, Peter was following Christ, and honestly, I don't think he's seen everything that Jesus was trying to do half the time. I think most of the disciples were confused half the time when they were following Christ. They were blinded because they were thinking naturally, and sometimes down the line, they look back and like, whoa, that's what Jesus meant. After, you know, around this time and after, Peter was cutting people's ears off He was trying to stop Jesus from going to the cross. He was denying Christ, even though he was saying with his mouth, he was like the the rocky soil. He was experiencing that rocky soil syndrome where he was like a seed on the soil, which was excited. Oh, Jesus, I'll follow you. I'll never deny you. And then he denies Jesus three times later. So Jesus is saying, listen, this is the reality. We're in this process. And there's some areas of our life that are on rocky soil, and it's not going to produce fruit. You might get excited but it's not going to last. Or, or maybe there's areas of your life and you're, 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 it's being stolen by the enemy. It's like a path. there's no root system at all. And, and you're getting distracted and you're starting to hang out in the wrong places. you're starting to go onto the wrong websites, you're starting to talk to the wrong people, and you're now vulnerable, you're isolated from the community that God had created you be, to be a part of, maybe because of offense, because of what someone done, because you don't feel it anymore. You're in danger of being snatched away, and this is how Jesus walked with disciples who were at all different levels and all different areas of their life. They were in process. Aren't you glad that it's by God's grace that we can move forward? That, we're, that some of us were dealing with a hard heart, some of us were on rocky soil, and, and were frustrated because we put our hope in a feeling. And feelings are good, and feelings are confirmation. But, but they're a follower and they're not a leader. And sometimes they come and sometimes they go. And so, so right now we're, in the, we're at a time where in the Bible, and, and historically we call this time Easter. And this is a week before Easter in, in the Bible. It talks about Palm Sunday. This is Palm Sunday today. See my lovely, um, fresh, I've been pl- I planted this a while back. And it's grown very large um doesn't seem to grow any further than this keep watering it and it doesn't take the water in it's plastic um a key is finest i think um and so was palm sunday and I, I started praying and thinking about what is palm sunday what does it represent to us and to, what was jesus doing on palm sunday and some of you some of us know the story he got on a donkey and he rode in as a humble king a servant king but, but what did Palm Sunday represent? Well, Palm Sunday was actually the same Sunday that they celebrated the Passover. There was a feast, and that, that takes us right back to the Passover in, in the Old Testament where they, they put blood over the doorposts and the, the Spirit of God passed over them, and protected them because of the lamb that was killed on their behalf, because of their sins. Fast forward generations at the same time of the year, At the same feast, Jesus decided to come at the same time. It's as if God has got seasons, and He also has a timing, and He also has a rhythm. Why am I saying that? I'm saying that because as a church right now, 2021, I believe this, we're in a moment, a window of opportunity. This is a preparation season for us as a church. I believe that with all of my heart. I've been praying about it, and I really believe prophetically, right now, we have got to prepare. We have got to prepare for harvest. We've got to prepare with our hearts. In the same way Jesus came, what was the Holy Week about? It was about preparing Him to go to the cross. It was about His, it was about breakthrough coming. It was about him fulfilling the will of the Father. Now what's this about some of us who have believed that the Christian life was just supposed to be all airy and furry and easy. Well, Jesus is our example, right? And one thing we learn from Jesus is that he went through amazing miracles. He, he, he was fully man and fully God, and he, he performed amazing miracles, but he also went through amazing hardships. But the consistent thing that we see with Jesus' life is he brought his Father with him everywhere he went. He brought God the Father was speaking to him on the whole journey through the ups and through the lows and through the downs. And that same principle applies to the way God has called us. That's the rhythm we're supposed to live in. It isn't supposed to be easy all the time. Because if it's easy all the time, your roots would be shallow. And and you couldn't grow. You cannot grow without resistance. There's areas that we need to be called out so that we can grow, so we can actually humble ourselves and come under God's mighty hand, so we can actually do a work. And so the problem with that is that your greatest potential is at the other side of that resistance. The seed cannot be formed and cannot germinate and come to life until it experiences darkness, until it experiences Resistance that's when life comes. The same applies to you. There's a resistance in your life that you need to face right now, in this moment, for you to come to life. But you don't need to face it alone. You need to face it with the power of the Holy Spirit. That's how the kingdom of God has always came onto the earth. It's not, the kingdom of God cannot enter the earth through an avoidant church, it's a church that goes into scenarios, goes into hardships, goes into to family life, into problems, and goes not in it alone in our own natural blinded sight, but goes in it with the power of the Spirit. Let me give you an example. I'm just married a few months, and I was talking to my parents, and their preparation for, for us was like, listen, Phil, for clear expectation, I want to let you know what it's going to be like. The first year of our marriage, we nearly killed, set, killed each other. It was turbulent. From coffee mugs and fights over coffee mugs. To the, I made that part up, but that's the reality. Because there's a difference of opinion, there's a friction. But iron sharpens iron. And they said what happened was, it was a bit like this at the start. The waves were high, and then, then you start to mature, and you start to have more grace, and you start to find out more about who each other is and how each other works, and you start to get a flow, and you start to get a rhythm, and that's a bit the same with our pride. Initially, when we face resistance, it hurts so bad, you just want to fight someone, you just want to kick out, you just want to punch someone. Ah! But then eventually, you're like, it's not, going to be, it's not going to be a good decision. If I do that, it's going to cause me more pain. The, best, the worst decision you will ever make will be when you're angry. It'll have the most consequences, and it'll hurt. All, you'll sow the wrong seeds, as we call weeds. And so, preparation is key. I think about preparing for impact. That's what we're about to do, prepare for impact. And I think about the palm trees and Jesus coming in to prepare a way to go to the cross. And I think about the time when he was just right before the cross. And the Bible says that he sweat blood. It's a a condition that can happen when people are under extreme anxiety and stress. Because the weight of the world was literally on him. He sweat blood. But what was his reaction? You, you know what I believe? Jesus, remember Jesus was fully man and fully God. I believe a natural part of him was sweating blood because he, he realized with his natural eyes, whoa, this is massive. This is serious resistance. This is serious hardship It's nearly too much for me right now. I even prayed to the Father, please, if this isn't your will, please let me off the hook, more or less. There's got to be another way. And you know what he'd done? He prayed. He realized the only way for me to see clearly is to go over here by myself, away from my friends and pray. And he didn't just pray once. He prayed three times. Why? Because he needed a bit more. He wasn't seeing clearly, probably. Until he he continued to pray and access God, what is it you want? What is it you want? And and I believe as he connected with the Father, he gained confidence because faith gives us confidence—not just faith in in something random, faith in His Father. And he came back and said, "Right, get up, we're going. I've got to go." And that's some of us—we're—we're not facing some of those things because we're afraid, and it's easier to avoid it, but I'm telling you, if you can get into a place of prayer, a rhythm of prayer, you'll come with confidence. You'll come with confidence. Some of the wee things that we've had to deal with in our relationship, and we got in this really good rhythm of like, right, we're both being stubborn. Anyone ever been stubborn in this room? We're both being stubborn, and we need to figure this out. And I want you to go and pray and ask the Holy Spirit real simple. What should you do? And then I'll go and pray and do the same thing. We'll come back. It's at a hundred percent record. You know why? Because we were, we were seeing, we were blinded, pride had kicked up, and we need to tame it. And we went and prayed just for a few minutes. We came back with a humble heart and, and compromise, and we held our hands up. We knew in our, our conscience where, where we were going wrong, and we moved on. It's that simple. It's that simple. Prepare for impact. You see, one thing I realized with Jesus is the palm trees were coming out, and they were they were symbolic of victory, of triumph. You understand that the, this is obviously not a real palm tree. Palm tree is usually way up tall, and it's got the the palm leaves at the top. Um, and and if you if you know anything about a palm tree, a palm tree is is a tropical plant, and the reason it does well in tropical climates is because it's got a flexible trunk. When when Fierce winds, 100 mile an hour winds come, it has the ability to to bend and to endure storms. Some of us in here, we need to be like the palm tree. When a storm comes, we need to be rooted but also flexible because the flexible are not easily broken. If you have a rigid black and white mindset about everything, you're going to be broken because it's not perfect. Life isn't perfect. The person you're with is not perfect. Your job's not perfect, but if you're flexible, you can bend. You can sway with the winds. You can flow through hard seasons and still be standing at the end. Can I get an amen? It's funny, I was, um, just this morning I was making coffee, and I noticed that, you know, the espresso machines, you get the wee capsules and you put them in, and I noticed that... I noticed that there's only one left, <laughs> and you know, sometimes I realize, you know, if I if I sow good seeds here, it comes back on me, you know, if I, if I make Anna a little coffee, maybe she'll make the dinner, you know, maybe if I, if I give, maybe then, she'll, if I do the things I'm okay with, she'll maybe do some other things I'm not so okay with, and so I noticed this morning, through that filter, there's only one left, and I really wanted the coffee, and it was kind of a wee bit grumpy, lost an hour, this morning, and and uh, I said, Anna, she's like, can I have a coffee? I'm like, no, you don't want a coffee this morning. <laughs> you don't need a coffee this morning. you would be fine. You just want water? I was trying to everything, why what, 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 can I wiggle this? So I think you should take water, Anna. You, you know, sometimes you take water in the morning. I'll get you a water. Don't worry about that one capsule that's left. Why? Because I was being selfish. I just wanted it for me, if I'm honest. I know none of you would do that in here, but that was me. And... Uh, She said, she responded, don't say say no for me. I was like, called out. So she got the good capsule, and I had to go and get these cheap ones that I bought. Um, And I think that's a bit like church, isn't it? When we're thinking about inviting people into relationship with Christ, we're thinking about inviting people to come to church or to come into community or to come to a connect group or, 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 or any conversation about God at all, we kind of say, oh, you, you don't want to, it wouldn't suit you. <laughs> you're too crazy. You're an atheist. Let me say, say you're no for you and I'll stay all nice and comfortable in my little co- coffee cup and just relax. Well, I want to tell you one thing. This season, we're not going to do that. And we're not going to do it from a place... Of serving the church, we're going to do it from a place of serving God. Because I had to realize that my job is to love my wife, and so I'm going to sacrifice my comfort so that I can invest and I can serve, because I know it will bear good fruit. When she feels love, she's at her best. And I'm telling you, God has not designed anyone in this room to bear no fruit. God has not called anyone in this room to not fulfill your potential. God has not called, that's a fact, God has not called anyone in this room to be stagnant, to be on a path, to be in rocky soil, to, to be, to be ineffective. God has not called anybody in this room to be in those positions. He's called you to be the to this in fertile soil, but it's, God will not do for you what you will not do for yourself. It's your choice. I'm telling you, God has called you to see the kingdom come on the earth. That's God's will for your life. First thing is you put Jesus first, you receive his free gift of salvation. Why? Because we're burdened with guilt as people, as humans. Whether you believe in God or not, every person on this earth today is walking around with shame. What do you do with it? You might not know how to name it. You might not know how to even say it, but you just know inside of you there's something that's missing. There's There's a weight that you're carrying and it's because you know deep down there's a thing called sin. You might know the name, but you know it's there. And if we don't deal with that f- first by putting Jesus first, then then you're not free. Then you, you are going to latch on to natural eyes. Then you are going to try and do everything your own way, but God has came to give you the, the keys to success, the keys to the kingdom, the keys to see what you cannot see, the secrets to true sight so you can have the the reality of true freedom and true impact. Can you get amen? amen? So I'm believing this everyone in this room, gonna put Jesus first. We're going to see impact of 30, 60, even a hundredfold in this in this season, 12 weeks. In the next 12 weeks. We're not gonna say people's no for them. This is what it says in 2 Corinthians. 9 and 6. Remember this, whoever sows spurnly will also reap spurnly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. They have freely scattered the gifts to the poor, their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seeds, and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way, so that you can be generous on every occasion, and through your generosity and, and through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. You know, God's saying there's a promise with sowing, there's provision with sowing. Oh, I can't give, I can't do anything, I can't go and do that because uh, I don't have enough energy in the day, I don't have enough time, I don't have enough money, I don't have enough resource. God's saying, Listen, I will provide, but you sow first. There's a secret with sowing. This is the kingdom of God. This is how God works. This is why when I give, when I pray, I'm putting God first and He multiplies what I give away. The Bible says you you can't get life until you give it away. You're like that seed that is never germinated if you keep holding on but when the the sower sows the seed then the potential is released into the soil. But if He's holding on to it, it cannot activate. You see, what you sow is what you eventually see. Some of you are not sowing, and you're not seeing. There's areas in your life you're just praying about, but you're not doing anything about it, and you're not seeing anything happen. That's practically, but also spiritually. I don't feel God right now. What well, are you praying? Are you praying faith with faith, or is it just, God, give me this, God, give me that, you want want relationships to improve, well, well, are you getting better yourself? Are you humbling yourself and and asking for feedback in areas that you can do better in? Because where you sow is where you see. I'm broke. Okay, well, well, are are you saving? Have you got any strategy? God will not do for you what you don't do for yourself. I'm broke, I'm broke. Well, are you overspending? Is there anything you can do? Have you asked for any help? Because if you don't put money into the savings account, you won't have any in it in 10 months or 10 years, no matter how hard you pray. Can I get an amen? What do you sow, you of see. And see, we're in a season right now, and we're going to sow. And I'm believing, I really, I've been praying about this, and this is what I'm believing for as a church. I'm believing we can send out 5,000 invites over 12 weeks. And I've done the math. So, you know, the four four seasons in a year, three months is one season, 12 weeks. 12 weeks is the equivalent to 360 days, is equivalent to 8,640 hours, is equivalent to 500, 518,400 minutes, is equivalent to 31 million. 104,000 seconds. I'm telling you, any time I've seen God move through the place of prayer, it's taken me one second to make a decision. You know what this ends up being? 60 people asking one people, one person per day. And listen, you see, if we do it, I don't think it's a miracle. I think it's just a decision. I don't think it's... I can qualify that as a miracle because it's very, very possible. What is it? There's 31 million seconds. It takes one second to make the decision to have the conversation, which will probably take another minute. And so, what you're going to find is under every chair is a seed, an invite card. Now, make sure you sanitize your hands before you hand it over. We'll also probably make available some digital seeds. And listen, we're not here to try and figure out if someone is hard soil, if someone's on a path, if someone's heart is hard. We're just here to sow the seed like the farmer does, scatter the seed, and let God look after the rest. And I'm believing because we are faithful, and because we just do what we can do, we're going to see stories, we're going to see activation in our own life as we grow As we seek God, and this is what I want you to do, is don't, there's seven of these in every pack. I don't want you to give these out because I told you to. I don't want you to just go and pick someone just to get the job done, because you know what that is? That's religious behavior. I'm not saying that God can't use it, but what I would love you to do is to pray. Today, God, I'm going to put this on you. Put someone on my heart. Put someone in my path. I don't even have to know them. You probably better start with people you know first. It's a bit more comfortable. And then building it up. But I would love us to get to the place where we're willing to actually obey God with someone on the street that we don't know. And we'd be willing to have a a short conversation. Hey, I just want to invite you. Watch online. And it might spark, you can come in person. It might spark a conversation. It may not. But it's still a seed. Your, the timing isn't really your problem. But I'm telling you, what, what I believe will happen is it's not just going to impact other people, it's going to impact you. Because your faith is now having to become active. It's not a passive faith. You're not operating at 1% and having this little private faith that no one knows about. The church comes alive when there's resistance. The resistance of fear. Listen, some of the hardest times in my life, I look back and I thank God for because it helped me to get rooted in my identity with Christ, and so one thing I want you to think about is this: the Bible says that the joy that was set before Jesus caused him to endure the cross. We're nearly finished. It caused him to endure the cross, right? So it was what he seen, you and me. That's what helped him to endure the cross. He didn't do it just as an act, a meaningless act. He done it because it was going to break the chains of sin on our lives. And so I want you to start seeing something. I want you to start seeing what this means. You know, when I think about it, I have failed millions of times. There's millions of opportunities that I've missed, if I'm honest. There's millions of times I've failed to believe in the goodness of God. There's millions of times I've doubted God's faithfulness. There's millions of times I have not not felt worthy enough to do anything. There's millions of times I haven't prayed when I could have. There's millions of times I could have acted, but I didn't. There's millions of times I haven't told people that I love them that I should have. But I remember somebody telling me this, that let's not wait until somebody's deathbed before we tell them that we love them until you tell your parents or your sisters or your family that you love them. Let's not wait and celebrate them when it's all over. Let's not wait until their deathbed before we start talking about the gospel and the power of Jesus Christ. Listen, Jesus has given us keys for eternity. Did you know the promise that Jesus came to bring was to forgive us of all of our sin, but also to give us a, a hope for the future, a hope for all eternity? Why would you not tell someone that you love that? hope you enjoyed the podcast today i hope it encouraged you there's a few things i'd love you to do i'd love you to subscribe to our youtube itunes or spotify account this is so you can keep up with our most recent material and messages if this ministry has impacted your life and you'd love to help us reach others you can do that right now by going to ariachurch.org and giving now cannot wait to see you next week on the Church podcast